from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Congrats to everybody for making it Friday. Should have a, a good one. Looking forward to uh, to the rest of the show here because we get to to jump right into a wild story. Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the Niners, uh, told the media that he had been in contact with none other than state football legend Philip Rivers throughout last season, and that would have been called and that sorry and that he would have been called to play in the Super Bowl if the Niners were able to beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game uh, with the the quarterback injuries that they had. Wow. Right? The, the, the Niners made it to the NFC Championship game. And if you ask any Niner from Debo Samuel to, to Christian McCaffrey, I mean, all of them this offseason have said if, if their quarterbacks just stayed moderately healthy, they would have beaten the Eagles and gone to the Super Bowl to face the Chiefs. So, so if they were able to, to find a way right? Lucky break here or there, game changes. Maybe Brock Purdy is able to throw it 10 yards with that UCL injury rather than not at all. Uh, maybe Christian McCaffrey completes a pass or two when, when he took over for quarterback there for a second. If they would have found a way, Phillip Rivers would have started in the Super Bowl for the Niners. Is there anyone out there? And I ask this honestly, uh, if there is anyone out there, that could go two years not being in the NFL and then slide right in and make it work. Phillip Rivers would be a good bet. Phillip Rivers would be a good bet. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be in shape, right? He's been doing the high school coaching thing, and from from the coaches I remember in high school, I don't think many of them were, you know, staying in playing shape. Some of them may have been wearing, like, the, the shirts and shorts from their playing days, but they weren't fitting into them the same. Uh, uh, so I'm not saying he's going to be in shape, but, but I'm – I'll put it like this. When it comes to to Rivers, he obviously prepared. He obviously watched a ton of film. He obviously did the necessary scouting. Like, you don't have success in the NFL for as long as he did. You don't become a starter in the NFL for as long as he was a starter. You don't win as much as he did in the NFL for as long as he did uh, without putting in the proper preparation. So I'm not taking that away from him. But it did always feel like he wanted to be out there drawing up plays in the dirt, right? It did feel like he wanted to look at his wide receivers every once in a while and go like, you, run a post, you, run it out, you, run this one, where you go in and then out, and like drawing them up on the football like you did at recess, right? You go here, you go there, and, and, and look for the ball quick. Like it does feel like he always wanted to do that. And how awesome would it have been to have seen that in the Super Bowl? To just have him, you know, Golly darn, daggummit, like all that kind of stuff, uh, making it up on the fly, improv in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm here for it. Matter of fact, maybe it's, there should be a game after the Super Bowl where both teams have to pick up a quarterback off the street and see if they may call it a rubber match. Um, just for pure entertainment standpoint, make that the Pro Bowl. Maybe someone will watch it. Uh, would it have counted? That's my other question. I'm not saying, obviously, the Super Bowl would count for the Niners, but like when it comes to Phillip Rivers, part of his legacy right now is that he's one of the greatest players to not win a Super Bowl, right? 
with with the the yardage totals, the touchdowns, the game winning drives, the fourth quarter comebacks, everything he did, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks, one of the most accomplished quarterbacks to never win a Super Bowl. It's part of his legacy. If you show up and play one game and win a Super Bowl, do you get knocked off that list? Is he does he now? I, I don't know. Would he still be one of the best players in history to not win a Super Bowl, even though he has a ring? Technically, he does. I don't know how that would change his legacy. It's one of those questions like, uh, I saw this one being debated on social media a bunch today. Um, somebody hit a hole-in-one, but they had played the front nine behind a slow group in front of them. So to avoid them, instead of going to the back nine, they just played the front nine again. And on the second time playing the front nine, the guy hit a hole-in-one, and he was asking if it counted. Because it's like, you know, you got a warm-up shot, essentially. You're playing the same hole twice. It's an, answer, it's an inanswerable question, right? There, there is no right or wrong answer. Would Phillip Rivers have counted? Uh, it, it's, in, it's inanswerable. It's hypothetical, right? Because it didn't end up happening. But I can tell you, I would have liked it to have happened. Would have been fun to see. Even if he was just a backup. Can you imagine him on the sideline? It's like uh, uh, if Josh Johnson stayed hurt, but Purdy could have played. Just have Phillip Rivers back there again. The gold darnets would have been flying. Imagine just the pandemonium after the game with the celebrations and stuff. How many of his kids is going to try to fit <laughs> into the the camera angle? That's, maybe, that's a big that's a big trip to Disney World. Maybe maybe that's why he's never won a Super Bowl. Not because he has kids, but because uh, like who do you leave the ring to? Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't sp- split a ring eleven ways. Man, at this point, a Rivers child could play. He has enough children where. They could just have a whole Rivers family of football players yeah. on one roster. Yeah, I was going to say, the ne- the upcoming one that's due is number 10 or 11. I think it's number 10. Yeah. Or is it Crazy. 11? It might be 11. I don't know. I lost track. I lost track. <laughs> it's I, easy to. I, I was going to say, I, I'm, there's there's probably like, uh, you know, cousins and nephews and stuff of that family. They're like, is it 9 or 12? Yeah, don't be- get mad at us, folks. We're, we're doing our best to keep up with <laughs> it, too. Could be anywhere in the middle. Uh, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly on 99.9 The Fan. Another funny uh, story. Uh, Michael Jordan scratching his competitive itch this weekend in the White Marlin Open, which is uh, like a deep-sea fishing tournament. Um, I know the Big Rock Tournament. Here in here, North Carolina had some controversy recently. Oh yeah, uh, the White Marlin Open, which is out of Ocean City, Maryland, uh, has their fair. There's been payouts based on lie detector lie detector tests. There's been a lot of stuff in recent years there also. Um, but they're as cutthroat. They are like they're similar in that there's millions of dollars of payouts, and uh, and it is a very very high stakes fishing tournament. So. MJ, Michael Jordan, and his boat, Catch-23, which is one of the best uh, boat names in the history of boat names. Uh, they go to a lot of – they go to the Big Rock. They go to the White Marlin Open, right? He, and, he, and he competes. I would love to be on the wall, just a fly on the wall, of the Catch-23 $8 million yacht to see Michael Jordan's competitiveness in that setting, right? Because I, I'm, I'm – I know a few pro athletes that have retired from their sport. I don't think any of them are uh, as competitive as Michael Jordan, and I don't think that's uh, surprising to say. And what I know is when their career ends, they are forever looking to scratch that itch, right? They are uh, golfing a ton. Some take up poker, pool, uh, pool, video games. Like they are looking for anything to try to get those competitive yayas out. Yeah. And I have a mad, I, I, I mean, I think we can all assume that Michael Jordan has quite a few competitive yayas. 
can you imagine being the captain of the boat? Like, can you imagine being the captain of, of the boat, navigating, trying to find the fish when it's been four hours and nothing's gotten on the line of Michael Jordan's boat with Michael Jordan on the boat? You're sweating. Not I, just because of how hot it is out at sea, but you're just sweating. I imagine there's some, some daggers being being stared right at the, the captain's chair. Here's another quick story about that. Uh, Michael Jordan goes to the, the White Marlin Open all the time. Like, he does it, if not every year, most years. Uh, and, and I went, I graduated high school in Ocean City, Maryland, right? So, so I was running around and you'd get the, the, right. The, the rumors. Did you see Michael Jordan's boats here? Michael Jordan's boats here. Uh, saw him from a long way on a, on a dock. Once we yelled his name. He kind of looked at us, didn't really wave, but we were a long way away. They would, he would, he or they, someone would block off like an entire restaurant for him and his party. We wouldn't even get to go in. Um, but one of the years he was in it, I was in college. Uh, but I was back home for the weekend or whatever, a week, uh, back in, in Ocean City. And um, the JV football coach, one of the JV assistant football coaches at my high school, won the White Marlin Open. So he was the angler, right? Uh, which there's there's cut-ups, right? So, like, if you win $2 million, a certain amount goes to the boat, a certain amount goes to the captain. You usually, you know, I guess you chop it up with kind of the other anglers on the boat just because it's like, hey, I grabbed the line that time, whatever. Uh, so he ended up, the, the JV coach, uh, ended up grabbing about, I don't know, a little under a million. It was like $970,000 or something like that. Not bad. For a, uh, like a... I forget what he taught, like a sophomore year history teacher and a JV football coach. And that's obviously big news, right? So uh, everybody's talking about, oh, did you see Coach? But I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants his, his business out there. Did you see Coach One? Did you see Coach One? Everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Monday, and um, I'm back home, but I want to get a lift in. And all the, the high school kids, they go lift at 8 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I'm like, all right, I'll go lift with the high school kids. Uh, so I show up, and sure enough, sitting at the door of the weight room checking kids in because you have like they wanted to know who was working out and you needed an yeah. adult there to supervise them so they're not you know getting underway to bad form or whatever checking in people on the monday he won a million dollars like sunday evening on the monday morning this guy was there checking in you know high school jv and varsity lifters on a s- summer monday and I, w- I walked in there expecting to see anybody but him. I said, what in the heck are you doing here? Take 10 grand. If I go to Vegas, I don't know if you're good. If it's not Vegas, go to Atlantic City. Go do s- something. What have you always wanted to do? You just won a million dollars in a fishing tournament. And he was like, I don't know. I'm trying not to change my life. And then I realized, like, he was just doing it. Even, you know, he's not Michael Jordan, right? It's not like he never has to worry about money again. I'm sure it did change his life in a lot of ways. Maybe he moved into a nicer house or whatever. But uh, I think it was just for the competition, right? He just wanted the high stakes out there, got the the, the marlin on the line, and, and won the whole darn thing. So it's uh, those fishing tournaments are no joke. And obviously, Michael Jordan is into, you know, the race car thing. The, the car ownership that he owns, like the, the NASCAR thing with Hamlin now. He's, he's you know, doesn't have to worry about the Hornets. Might be the year. Michael Jordan wins the White Marlin Open. I think the, uh, whatever, I think the prizes are even up now, the three or four million. I don't think that would change his life much. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Earlier today, our very own Dennis Cox, who did get a, a jump start on the uh the, the weekend, so he's not here producing the show like he normally is. He caught up with AEW wrestling superstar Willow Nightingale. It's coming to Greensboro tomorrow night, AEW is. Uh, so if you, uh, you want to go check that out, I assume there's ways to acquire tickets. Um, but AEW Willow Nightingale spoke with our own very own Dennis Cox, and uh, we wanted to pass that interview along to you. So here's Dennis with Willow. Welcome back to The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Dennis Cox here with you all. AEW Collision is coming to Greensboro. It's coming back to the state of North Carolina. Collision is tomorrow, 8 o'clock at the Greensboro Coliseum. And one of the stars that's going to be on Collision tomorrow night, you can watch her in a tag team match with Chris Statlander taking on Mercedes Mercedes Martinez, as well as Diamante. Willow Nightingale is joining us. Willow, thanks for your time. Really do appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited to chat with you. Oh, I've, you know, I've been looking forward to this conversation because you've been making a name for yourself in AEW for the better part of the last couple of years. AEW is still a very, very young company. From the time that you've gotten there up until this point now with Collision being a couple, couple of months old now, uh, how have you seen AEW and the company grow in your time with All Elite Wrestling? Um, well, when I like very first started with AEW, I was just kind of coming around doing extra work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't really like a part of the roster yet. And that was when they were still in Jacksonville during the pandemic. So um, I feel like I really got to kind of see it when it was, I don't want to say like in its infancy, but kind of figuring out the direction that the company was going to go in. And that was from like an outside perspective. And since I've been able to join it, we've been on the road. Like you mentioned, we've added new companies, um, Ring of Honor. We've uh, had new brands, Collision added. And it's really just interesting to see not only the fact that we're trying to like grow in terms of just putting more wrestling out there, mm-hmm. but in terms of like the quality, what different types of wrestling we're trying to bring to people, like the distinctions and um, just like the different flavors you can see from each show. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see that. So the main show, the initial show of All Elite Wrestling on Wednesday nights is Dynamite. Then Rampage was added on Friday evenings. Now AEW Collision comes along, which is at uh, 8 o'clock on TNT. So for us here in the state of North Carolina, after you get done watching or listening to the Carolina Panthers play at 4 o'clock tomorrow, flip on over to TNT. You can watch AEW Collision in Greensboro. How is Collision as a show different than what people might see on Dynamite or on Rampage? Well, I feel like Dynamite... um has kind of been the original true heart of what AEW had set out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Collision is really something that's a lot more focused on, like, the in-ring. Um, not to say that, like, D- Dynamite has amazing wrestling, but Collision is very, like, um, focused on on the wrestling. Maybe a little more straightforward, a little less shenanigans. Um, and I know I- I've had to come to the ring a few times for – to save my friend Chris at this point. Um, So we still have like, you know, bad guys being bad guys, beating everybody up and, you know, not really minding their business. But 
you know, at the end of the day, we're going to settle it in the ring this Saturday. And uh, we will see what the results of that will be. Hopefully, Stat and I will work together as a team and be able to take out Mercedes and Diamante. So, again, you and Chris Statlander in a tag team match against Mercedes Martinez as well as Diamante. Now, Mercedes Martinez, former Ring of Honor Women's Champion, you yourself have held a title, the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. You've held that title. Uh, how much of it is an honor and responsibility to be carrying a championship, whether it's with New Japan, whether it's Ring of Honor, whether it's AEW? Um, when you uh, are in the middle of a championship reign, mm -hmm. like every single move I think is reflected or reflective of you being worthy of a champion, right? So every time I stepped into the ring as a champion, um, every interaction I had um, with a media personality, um, I recognize the fact that it's not just me being Willow Nightingale, it's Willow Nightingale the champ. And so I have this like prestige and this beautiful title to uphold um, through my words and through my work. So I remember that every time I step into the ring and um, now that my New Japan Strong Championship reign is over, um, I've still won the Owen Hart tournament. Mm. And that's something that I will continue to carry forward with me as well. Um, just knowing that I've accumulated these accolades and uh, whether those matches might be done or the reigns might be done, like that's still a part of who I am and I have to continue moving forward, showing my best foot and like growing nonstop, which I don't really view as something that's like necessarily high pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I view that more as like exciting. It's like, okay, I've done so much and now uh, I've been wrestling for eight years and still there's more to learn. There's more to unlock and um, get better. So I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, hopefully accumulating more accolades in the future. Willow Nightingale of All Elite Wrestling joining us here on The Drive. Dennis Cox here with you all. Willow joining us on the Heat Street Automotive Group Hotline. Now, Willow, you talked about the next steps for you. What is the next step in the evolution of Willow Nightingale? Because I know for us in our business and in, in, in media, for anyone that works in entertainment, you have to continue to grow and evolve. What's that next thing for you? Um, so for me right now, I think, uh, as much as I'm like proud of, of my in-ring work, I'm always trying to like fine tune it. And luckily we have some of like the smartest people mm -hmm. about wrestling backstage. So it's it's listening to things that I can still improve, on, improve upon, um, going to training, making sure that that's done. Um, recently I had a main event match with Athena at Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. And that was like 20 minutes or so and I think that's the longest match I've had in my AEW Ring of Honor career. And I'd really like to move forward being able to have lengthy, like, feature matches like this um, again. So I'd really, like, been focusing on conditioning, trying to be able to, like, make sure I could do 30-minute matches plus whatever. Um, because if, if I am put in that position again, and hopefully I am, I want to be able to go and like not have any restraints or anything holding me back. Um, so that's one thing. Obviously, my good friend Chris Staff, TBS championship holder. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm going to help her out t this week. At, uh, we're going to do our best. Um, and uh, I'm rooting for her. Um, but it's not lost on me that she is a champion at AW and I am not. Um, Higuru Shida also just became the AW uh, Women's World Champ. Mm -hmm. And I'm such a huge fan of hers. I only got to wrestle her on the Jericho Cruise this past year. 
Um, but I think it would be really awesome to have a match televised for our fans and see, see how that turns out. Um, so I think there are a lot of directions that, you know, the next few months could go for me. Um, that's kind of where I have my attention always is who are the champs? What are they doing and how do I reach that level? Um, but yeah, only time will tell exactly what I do, but th that's kind of like always where my eyes are. Hey, always have your eyes on the prize, right? Always looking <laughs> yeah. for that championship. Hey, I get it. That's, that's the whole reason why you get into the business, right? You want to be, you want to be on top. Yeah. Uh, coming again, AEW collision is in Greensboro at the Greensboro Coliseum tomorrow. 8 PM is when showtime starts on, on TNT. Now the state of North Carolina has a very rich, deep history in, in terms of professional wrestling. The company I work for, Capital Broadcasting Company, WRAL, in our studio is where the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat rivalry actually began. So the, 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 the history of wrestling in this state is very, uh, very deep. And it's coming again to Greensboro Coliseum, which for a long time, that was like the Madison Square Garden of the South. For you, Willow, not being a professional wrestler, you've been doing it for, for eight plus years now. Being able to compete and wrestle in a place like Greensboro Coliseum where some of the greats, Flair, the, the Horsemen, Dusty Rhodes, all got to compete. How special is that for you as a pro wrestler? Um, I think it's always really important to be able to recognize the history of our company um, because without it, we wouldn't be where we are right now, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I uh, have been fortunate to have been able to have a bunch of special moments in uh, really awesome venues with a lot of history. Um, and so... This to me is another opportunity to honor the past with the present. Um, I've, I've wrestled in North Carolina a handful of times. I think in my indie career, there was a period of time I was going back and forth, which is about from New York, like a nine hour drive. Yeah. And we would do that like nine hour drive there, no sleep, do the show and just go straight back. Um, and, you know, that's not something you do without love of, um, our sport, of the history of our sport, and of course the fans. So I'm really excited to be back in front of the North Carolina fans and uh, show out for them. I'm curious, where, where in North Carolina have you wrestled before? Um, so I was pretty regularly wrestling for Queens of Combat at one point. Okay. Um, so I would say that was probably like maybe like 2018, 2017-ish. Um, but I used to go on road trips back and forth, actually with Chris Statlander on a few of those. Um, so it's, it's really fun to have like a full circle moment like this. Yeah. All right. Final question for you, Will and Nightingale. Again, tomorrow, AEW Collision is in Greensboro on TNT at 8 o'clock. If you want to go to the show, get tickets. Uh, an AEW show, in my opinion, is as good as it gets. It's, it's the best out there. Uh, the in-ring work is fantastic. When someone who may not be well-versed in what happens in all elite wrestling or maybe just pro wrestling as a whole, when they come to a, an AEW show, what can a fan expect? Um, I will say, especially going to a live show, mm -hmm. it will capture your attention, like, unlike anything else. Like, obviously, there's the athleticism. Um, obviously, there's, like, this larger-than-life personalities that are constantly being displayed to you. But seeing a show live, it's like the crowd gives you so much energy. And to be a part of that crowd and experience all of the wonderful things that we try to provide for you, um, to be amongst other people enjoying it and, like, cheering, it's beautiful it's magic honestly uh and there's nothing else that can recreate it so the only way to find out is to do it <laughs> come check out willow nightingale she's in a tag match she and chris statlander 
against Diamante and Mercedes Martinez. That's on AEW Collision tomorrow in Greensboro. Willow, thanks for your time. Really do appreciate it. And best of luck tomorrow. Thank you, Dennis. Once again, that is our very own Dennis Cox talking with Willow Nightingale, uh, AEW Wrestling. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.